Hello, hello. Welcome back to the CTO studio. I, of course, am your host, Nikolai Walker, on the mic and in your ear. We are continuing our conversation, kind of carrying over from last week, where we talked to Mitesh Kadia, who's the CTO and Chief Data Officer at the Zebra. Uh, love that name. And we were discussing when, why, and how to start the compliance process. So from there, we're going to lead right into the two most important factors, risk factors, in customer and employment agreements. And rather than Etienne, I'm going to have uh, Mitesh finish his thought, and then we'll go from there. Here we go, everybody. Me personally, when I look at contracts, right, the, the two areas I pay the most attention to are intellectual property, who owns the IP, and indemnification, right? Which is the last thing you want to do is sign yourself up to be on the hook for someone else's, you know, uh, mistakes or oversights or negligence. Um, and so, you know, in my mind, that that's right along those lines of you just got to understand, and, and that risk has got to be spread out. It's got to be diffuse. It can't be, you know, uh, focused in just one area when in actuality it is you know spread out yeah so so um tell me j just on that comment about intellectual property what what do you what are your concerns well unintentionally or or accidentally or by contract that is ours will be made property of a partner right and so what i, I usually look for is something that says you know essentially defines the intellectual property in a, a sufficiently broad and, but you know, relevant capacity and says that that the stuff that is the property of us at the zebra is our property and will remain our property um, and is restrictive in terms of the rights. It doesn't give them rights to use it as their own property or make money off of it. But, you know, they, but that's the key thing is just understanding, you know, does the contract all of a sudden say they can go and treat this property as their own for free? And that IP generally in your data and your transforms and what you do to data or in your code or in your process or? Yeah, in, in anything. So for example, when we, um, uh, I hope Seth will be okay with me sharing this, but when we uh, you know, put together our agreement with working with him as a, a virtual CISO, we drew the, the line in terms of our specific security program is our property because he was working under contract to develop it for us. But any generic tools and frameworks that he came up with in the process of making this that, did, that weren't specific to us, but that he used or developed could be his property, right? And so, but being very clear about that, that just because he couldn't just take the program he developed for us and go and say, that's his program and go repurpose it and sell it. That's our program. Got it, got it. Got it. That's a good example. And I think uh, Seth would be totally fine with that. Um, yeah, I, um, I I love how you sort of hone straight into the IP and the indemnification as sort of, you know, let me just scan through this, but I do want to see something mentioned about these two or three things. Yeah, those are the key. I mean, I look at termination, you look at things like that, right? But but those are things that um, that I also see, feel like any any good counsel will catch. Right. I mean, any good counsel will catch the indemnification too, right? Like that's, they're, they're all looking at risk and liability, but those are the two that, that I like to pay particular attention to. Yeah, I like that. So uh, I want to wrap up with some questions around the engineering teams 
the departments, when it comes to risk management, uh, your team arguably carries the, the greatest impact in doing things they're not supposed to, knowing things they're not supposed to, um, potentially inadvertently sharing information they're not supposed to, uh, whether they're on board or whether they're off board. Um, so a lot of this stuff for me is, is encapsulated in playbooks and training, but also in culture and, and, and a culture of, of risk management, understanding the risk, um, a culture of um, succession, disaster recovery, redundancy. So, so, so talk me through a CTO. I know when you said you went into the second phase, it goes from building the machine to building the machine that builds the machine. Uh, so how, how, how has that been for you? And, and can, is there a couple points that you want to speak to on that? Yeah, I, I mean, as you mentioned, uh, there's definitely training and education around it. You know, there, there's best practices training, security training. Um, and there's even things such as, you know, when it comes to privacy, only expose certain bits of data to people who truly have a need to know. So, for example, everyone has access to our, our BI system and our you know, analytics and our data, but a very limited set of people have access to email addresses of consumers and actual personal information. Right. We use the technology to and roles and groups and, and privileged access to limit that so that it doesn't stop everyone from doing their work. They can still do it, but we don't even give the most the majority of the people the opportunity to accidentally do something. But then ultimately, I think it it really does come down to as you're building that machine, building that that culture, and I'll go back to what, what I said, that culture of not saying no, but that culture of, of helping work with the rest of the company to figure out how and to manage the risk. Because I think if you, you end up with a culture where anytime, you know, a developer or, you know, a team wants to go do something, they're like, oh, I have to go through this onerous process. It's going to take forever. And they're just going to say no anyway. Uh, I'm just going to go do it because, uh, and then hope they don't find out about it. Right. That's one. Yeah. That's one side. But the other side is, you know what? Yeah. I got to go through this process, but they always get back to me right away. They're going to help me make this better. You know, they're going to make me figure out, you know, if I'm doing this, you know, login system, when should I lock out? How should I do it? Like what, what is secure? You know, they're going to help me figure that out and understand the risk to make it so that I can hit my deadline, but do it in a safe way and protect the company, that's the other side, right? And so that's where I think that that culture is a big part of it, a big part of uh, being able to uh, reinforce the right behaviors um, and get that education to stick. Does that require an insane amount of trust? The always say, the always say yes approach? Uh, it's, well, it's, it's yes, but, and the, the thing is that, it requires some trust, um, but it, it, the the thing is that the person that's making the decision on the risk to accept is at a sufficiently high level, right? So it's not saying, you know, okay, here I'm going to inform you of this risk, and you know, you 
developer who is, uh, you know, one year out of college is going to make that decision, right? Um, but we're going to help the team make the decision. We're going to help the, the leader on that team decide or, or whoever it is make that decision to move forward, right? It, there is, um, you know, some amount of trust you have to put in that people will follow the process, right? People will, will run things through. And, you know, same way, you know, you have different approaches to catching bugs in code, right? Which is you want to try to catch some in the design. Then you want to catch some with testing. Then you're going to catch some of them in production, right? It's the same thing, which is you hope that you get most of them in, in the designing and the planning, right? Some of it you may get when you're testing stuff out before you release it. And then you just have to, you know, have a process for, okay, we detected this out in the wild. How do we quickly get that work done and, and resolved and patched and, and, you know, understand the impact of it. And, and it's the same way, right? Which is you have to cover all those bases. You're never going to catch everything before it goes out. I like that. I like that. So it's not like there's this one governing rule or policy which shuts everyone out or brings everyone in. It's really understanding at all the different levels, pre, mid, post, whatever, that um, there are processes and ideas in place to, to help people that and and that's what I, I think you the only way you build this culture where security isn't a step security and, and privacy is not a step it's part of everything we do robustness reliability security privacy resilience like it's part of everything we think about at different aspects and and to different levels Like fun stuff, huh? Well, uh, talking to talking to people about it is fun-ish, but just the topic is just ugh. it is uh, it's a, it's a lot, and as, especially as a CTO, where you want to build cool tech, you want to move the company forward. It sometimes feels like this is a you know it's a slog. It's just like oh, this other thing I have to do. Um, and I, and I'll be honest, like there many times where it was burdensome on me too. But I had to keep reminding myself that in many ways, it was some of the highest impact, highest leverage work I could do if I could do it correctly. If we could do it in a way that helped the business move forward quickly and safely and not slow the business down, then that impact, even though in many ways, it's completely behind the scenes, right? Like it, it doesn't, like so many people, it, in many ways, you want it to work in such a way that people don't even know it's working. Right. Like you don't get, you know, excitement for, yes, we weren't breached, <laughs> but that's that one more day that we're, we're not breached is one more exciting day. You know, one more day that shows that, hey, this work behind the scenes is effective. Yeah, I, 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 I think that perspective of it is probably the most important work you can do uh, at that stage because it is the one thing that can shut your company down or um, saddle you with, with fees that you can't pay or tap into insurance premiums or deductibles that are just, I think there's something called co-insurance now where you pay, it's a 50, 50 thing. They don't even want to cover the whole, cover the whole thing anymore. Um, 
And if you start at your level, you start seeing the, the employees, their livelihood, their families, uh, you know, if one or two bugs get shipped versus one or two uh, privacy laws get broken, uh, I think it is probably some of the most important work we can do to shield. And, and that's why I want to emphasize that. I, I want to scaling companies, they have to focus on this. Well, you know, I, I think it's really important that you're focusing on it. And I would say that even before scale, right? Like I, I think the role of the startup CTO is shifting more to the implicit like uh, understanding or requirement that you understand that you have some knowledge of security and privacy and compliance right it it is just now part of the gig because you're never you're not going to be big enough early on to have uh, you know an infosec department I, I mean unless you're like you're working in banking or like something that's like a market where you have to have it right there's no other way um, you're not going to have the, the luxury of having an infosec team or, or some of these other things. And, and a lot of that as usually the most technical person in the company is going to fall on you as a CTO. And also um, educating ourselves on what those risks are. I, I agree with you that I, this is where this, so I, I think I have a slightly different view on it, but here's where I agree. And, I, and, and, and this is what you did is even at the brutally early stage, understand the landscape so that you can decide, like you did, when and how am I going to spend our company resources on the compliance and on the certifications? And I love that business pull-through approach of, okay, let's let's push that boundary as, as, as far as it will go until we have to be compliant to stretch it even further. But I, I agree with you that you don't have the luxury anymore as a startup CTO to just say security whatever or compliance whatever because then you won't know how to make that decision. Mitesh, you are a scholar and a gentleman. Thanks for chatting to me. Thanks again for joining us here in the CTO studio and a large thank you to our guest, Mitesh Karia, CTO and Chief Data Officer at The Zebra. Now, if you would not mind, please go over to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. That way you're able to get it every week. Uh, go check out Mitesh Karia's LinkedIn page. And as always, check out 7CTOs.com. We will see you again next time. <laughs>